Hey everyone, welcome to Photography Chat, Season 2, Episode 24. Uh, we're going to have Jess Hobbs on with us here shortly. Um, so yeah, let's get Jess on and then uh, we can get going with the chat. Hope everyone is having a good week so far. Um, it's been kind of like crazy here in Vancouver with the heat. Um, and there is Jess. So let's... Get her in here. All right. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Yourself? I can't complain too much. Yeah. Is my audio all right? Your audio is fantastic. Excellent. <laughs> How's, uh, how are things in Montreal? Uh, well, actually, I'm on the farm because um, we moved out of the city last year just before the pandemic hit. Okay. Uh, we moved, yeah, we moved to my uh, fiance's family farm, so oh, nice. that's where, yeah, that's where we're at now. So, yeah, things are dry, hot. <laughs> we're watering our fields by hand until we get our irrigation pump situations set up, and oh, man. yeah, sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first like not 12 hour day I've had in like three weeks. <laughs> so this is really exciting. <laughs> I'm a bit of a lighter day today. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny because uh, when we set this up to do it today, um, of course I had no idea, no way of knowing that it was gonna be game six between Montreal and Vegas and <laughs> in the playoffs, you know? And I'm like, oh man, but it's okay. It's all good. Well, um, hopefully uh, we won't keep you too long, so you can. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Hear the Habs on. Ch chatting with friends is <laughs> is much better, anyways. <laughs> you, you can put it on like the background and like you know just. <laughs> no, well, um, Jody's gonna. My fiance, he's gonna be watching the game, and so he's also gonna watch this. So he'll have like an ear on both, and he. So if you see random numbers pop up every now and then, it might be him giving me the score. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds like a very good fiance. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. <laughs> right. So what prompted you guys to get out of uh, the city? Uh, it's kind of been a bit of a long time coming sort of thing. Um, I think we always knew we weren't going to live in the city full time forever. Uh, as much as we love the cultural scene and being part of it and everything, um, we're both very outdoorsy. We love the woods. We love camping. We love traveling in vans and stuff. So... For, for us, we, all, we always wanted kind of like a slower paced life later. Okay. You know, we wanted the fast paced stuff in our later 20s and earlier 30s. And now we're, I, I don't want to say we're settling down, but we're kind of slowing down, I guess. <laughs> Trying to find like a mellow balance. Yeah. Nothing wrong with slowing things down a little bit. No, no. Enjoy, yeah. Enjoying life a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> when you work 12, 13 hour days, it's a little hard to uh, just sit back and enjoy life. But, you know, we have campfires at night after a long day. And, you know, it's it's fresh air all the time, blue skies, big fields, lots of photo um, chance opportunities and stuff. So it's good. It's good. The, the country life yeah. hasn't affected your uh, photography at all then, eh? 
The country life, no. Um, the, the, the drought, yes. <laughs> um, and I guess probably just a bit of like the general like malaise of the whole like pandemic thing and stuff. I think it kind of hit everyone. We're all hitting that point where we're going like a little stir crazy. Yeah. You know, we're all itching to just get out there and travel or see something else. Uh, so it has actually been a little while since I've picked up a camera, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, as far as photography goes, like my favorite place to be is in the woods, um, or, you know, the rural landscapes, the barns and the silos and sunsets and stuff. So that part hasn't been affected. I just need to find the time to actually go out and do it. So, yeah, that's fair. What, what, uh, yeah. what kind of stuff do you guys farm? Uh, so we grow, uh, herbal teas. So stuff like uh, chamomile, echinacea, um, lemon balm, a bunch of different uh, plants that we have. We've got, um, I forget how many fields, how many acres it is. Uh, but my favorite one that we grow actually is passionflower, okay. um, which, is, which is technically a tropical, but we've managed to grow it in our fields outside. So that's, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. It's such a beautiful plant. It's probably my favorite one that we grow. Flowers are gorgeous and... I love pick, harvesting it and stuff. So that's very cool. Yeah, and then we just we dry it all, package it up, and our stores in Montreal order when they need it, and we deliver it, and everyone's happy. That's cool. So you guys sell directly yeah. stores, then you don't have like online selling. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, it's a little too much to handle. Like a lot of people have asked us if we're ever going to go into selling online. Um, but then you're constantly checking. Did we get orders today? Do we have to package things up? And then Canada Post, I mean, man, they've just been sucking the big one <laughs> during this pandemic. <laughs> um, they have not helped us much <laughs> we'll say they've actually lost some of our packages so yeah. we we like to rely on ourselves we're <laughs> we're we're kind of like that diy self-sufficient as much as we can sort of thing going on so we we like to deliver it plus we get to see the stores talk to the people and stuff and that means a lot to us so yeah to have that yeah. sort of like one-on-one -on -one human connection yeah exactly exactly that's very cool well, yeah. I had no idea that um, you, you guys were tea farmers. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, tea farmers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> his parents, so it's Jody's parents who bought the farm. Um, they bought it 40 years ago, and they were the first farm or one of the first to go organic in Quebec back in uh, 1973. Uh, so they actually started the whole... Um, organic farming revolution that happened back then. Uh, they were like head of it. They, they were the ones that helped start the uh, certification boards, um, like all that stuff. They were really at the forefront of organic farming. And so they've done a bunch of stuff. They've, they used to do vegetables. Um, like I've been hearing stories about like fields of peas, uh, leeks everywhere, you know, all this stuff. And over time, things markets shifted and stuff and we just ended up doing teas. That's yeah. very cool. I, I came in I came in like Jody and I met uh sixteen years ago. And so once I met the you know, once the relationship settles in and you meet the family and all that, um I've been around on the farm for about fifteen years. 
uh, and working like more seriously for the last 10. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I came in like just as they were kind of transitioning more and more into the tea part and like the retail sales and stuff. So it's been an interesting uh, journey. If you'd asked me at like the age of 15, if I was going to be a farmer, <laughs> that was not even like on my radar. I don't know if, I don't know how many kids grow up thinking like, yeah, I'm going to be a farmer when I grow up. And it's a totally, totally valid <laughs> occupation. I don't want to take that away from anyone. Um, but I just never thought I would end up here. I didn't see life going that way. <laughs> life is interesting sometimes that way. It is. It is. And I mean, I love it. I love being able to work with my hands um, you know, get dirty. My nails are super short. My hands are permanently stained with dirt from like April until November. <laughs> I can only start wearing nail polish in like December. <laughs> <laughs> my feet are the worst. <laughs> my feet are just the worst. <laughs> Cause I, and okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit something here. I'm going to give away uh, one of my like little okay. shameful secrets. I wear Crocs. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Purple ones too. Um, <laughs> but it's because they're actually like the most comfortable shoe I can wear on the farm. And I can transition from like getting my feet wet to being in the hot sand and not get, like overheat, but not like, like I can't wear sandals because it's just not solid enough. So I wear Crocs, <laughs> little purple Crocs. <laughs> I, I mean, if it works, why not? No judgment. Yeah. But then, like, mud gets stuck in there, so then my feet are just, like, gross. <laughs> it's terrible. Of, like, Crocs have become the new Uggs, because, like, for a while there, <laughs> like, oh, Uggs yeah. were, like, the, the maximum comfort shoe, and then all these people are, like, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I wear, I like Uggs. Uggs are amazing. And then, like, they kind yeah. of disappeared, and, like, Uggs kind of, and then Crocs came yeah. out. And, uh, yeah, Crocs came about. And then the funniest, though, it was when they started making, like, the high-heeled Crocs. <laughs> and that's when I was like, I was like, no, I draw the line there, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll wear the funky-looking garden shoes, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> that's, that's as far as I go. I saw this crazy TikTok that a guy did who's a shoemaker. And so he's got these, like, beige Crocs, and he's, like, sanding the bottom down. And then... <laughs> um, he ends up like, you know, very professionally attaching like four by four, like rubber grip onto the bottom of it to make like, you know. Oh, oh. well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, that'd be probably pretty amazing at the farm. I think so. I'm going to have to work on that. Uh, yeah. JR Photography he says, I'm not going to lie. That is just as fuck wearing Crocs. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the kind of girl who wears Crocs and lots of plaid and uh, jeans. You gotta be. Uh, you know, yeah. There's there's no makeup going on here. There's none of that fancy. I don't even know how to do my hair. Like I can do a ponytail and a braid, and I'm like, yay, I win today. <laughs> I mean. I'm in the same camp. It's pretty, I know how to do hair stuff. And the pandemic <laughs> made it even worse because it's been oh, I like know. a year and a half now since I've been to a barber. So, yeah. 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 I, I Adams and it was bad. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I actually cut my own hair. <laughs> nice. I haven't been to a hairdresser in forever. So every now and then, like, 
after I shower, I'm just like snipping at the ends, like just a little bit, just a little bit. Does that even? Yeah, okay, I look good. We're good. I haven't attempted bangs or anything yet. I'm not gonna go too crazy here. Um, I don't want to look like I don't want to look like the four year old who like just chops like their hair off. And <laughs> but I I have been trimming my own hair. <laughs> well, I, I've been doing that as well. Like doing because like I do the the sides and back trim. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The poof I, has been. I've left the poof now for for most of last year. I made the mistake okay. of shaving my head and. Um, some people look really good that way. I'm not one of those people. Oh, yeah. but I think that looks good though. I, I like it. I like that it's all like crazy and curly and <laughs> so wild. The thing that's <laughs> now it's reached a certain height that when I'm doing Zoom calls for work and I have the virtual background on, it makes yeah. me look bald because it like oh, no. it, it, it just it disappears into the background. <laughs> yeah, it disappears in the background, and I'm like, what? <laughs> now um so i'm just like maybe maybe it's time to get a haircut soon now that like covid basically doesn't exist in british columbia which is um weird um yeah yeah it's uncomfortable but it is it is right it's so weird how how is it over there uh well since montreal is in the playoffs um it's it's kind of like covid never existed um yeah yeah but it's you know like in the country i'm safe i I don't worry about myself out here you know small town quebec it really isn't all that crazy um we all kind of stayed to ourselves and everything like all the farms around us too were like total lockdown no one could go visit, uh, even like people that would work on the farms, like they had to be extremely careful and stuff because no one can afford to get sick. Yeah. You know, you, you're, if you're a farmer and you get sick, your crops die and it's like, mm, there's nothing I can do about that because I was sick. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, the city itself is always, it's always been a little crazy anyways. Like, that's the thing, as much as I love cities, I also get extremely claustrophobic being surrounded by so many people all the time. So, you know, like certain neighborhoods, you're like, I don't want people to get too close to me. Especially now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I thought my the- the theme song for last year for me was uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me by the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get that like made as a t-shirt. <laughs> You still can. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Still, even if COVID's over. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, eventually we'll all kind of settle into something that will seem more normal, I guess. And Hopefully, yeah. I think we'll get at ease with it again. Yeah. Montreal is an interesting city, though. Like, I miss, um, I miss being able to visit it. Um, some yeah. of my favorite photos I took out there. Yeah, I love Montreal. It's, uh, other than New York City, like, Montreal's my favorite. I'm I know, not... I'm biased. I grew up here, but... That's fair. <laughs> well, I mean, the architecture is really cool. Um, yeah. So much great food. Um, <sighs> I know. <clears throat> like, like I, that's I... the one thing Quebec is known for, is, like, it's restaurants. Like, we are restaurant people here. Like, from breakfast, lunch, supper, everything, like, we love our restaurants out here yeah, yeah and they're so great yeah uh, like I, I i had a friend that she's recently moved out of the country but 
<clears throat> she lived down by that um, that big market. Um, fuck, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, it's kind of like Toronto St. Lawrence Market. Oh, uh, Kensington? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. Like, she lived right around there, and there were so many cool, like, restaurants all around there, too, that we go explore all the time, and, like, so much good food. Yeah. 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 I miss it. Oh. Out of curiosity, though, so how, how did you get your start in photography? Like, what drew you into it? Uh, okay, so this is kind of a bit of a long-winded story, because um, I got my first camera when I was nine years old for my ninth birthday. My parents bought me a little uh, Vivitar point-and-shoot, because uh, they said it was, like, the most dummy-proof camera they could find. <laughs> And not because I was a dummy, but just because I was a child and they didn't want me playing with their cameras and ruining anything. So they were like, here, play with this piece of plastic and enjoy it. Um, so I took that thing with me everywhere. Um, it was always loaded with Kodak Gold or Kodak Max back then. I think now it's Ultramax, but back then it was just Kodak Max. Um, and I just brought it everywhere. All through high school, I would take pictures of everyone around me and stuff. Um, I even brought it when we, like in Quebec, we have Sejep. So it's kind of like our interim before university, but after high school. Okay. Uh, so it's, so it's kind of like, um, I don't know, I don't know what the equivalent is, but I guess kind of like a college before university or something. And so it's usually two year programs cause we finished high school at 17. Um, so when I moved out to Sejep, I brought that camera with me as well. And then that's when I, I don't know how I didn't know about black and white film before, but that's when I started discovering black and white film because it was uh, on sale in the uh, school bookstore. Okay. So I was like, oh, cool. I, you know, I could do that. And I would always drop uh, my stuff off at uh, like PharmaPre or whatever um, pharmacy was around, you know. Uh, I never developed myself. Um, and then when I went on to university, uh, that's when I decided to take some photo classes as, uh, like, as my electives. And they were darkroom based, like heavily in the darkroom. So I started learning about printing, uh, spot toning, you know, all that stuff. And that's when I really fell in love with it. Um, but around that time, that was probably about like 2000, yeah, 2008 was when I graduated. So um, 2009 was when I bought my first digital camera. <laughs> and uh, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> of course not. Um, but because that, like then where I was living, the town I was living in, it was a smaller town. Um, and so all the labs were closing up and stuff. And so I didn't know I could still do film. Uh, I wasn't equipped to do it at home. I didn't even know how to set myself up at home at first. Uh, so it was only when I moved to Montreal, which would have been about seven or eight years ago, I think, uh, that I started realizing that there was like a vibrant film community still there. And I started going to dark rooms again and printing and all that. And so I would say probably from about 2014 on is when I really started to take it seriously. I bought my Mamiya RB67 and I just haven't looked back since then. Nice. Yeah. That's a tank of a camera. It is. I love her. <laughs> she is my big, beautiful beast. <laughs> and, and I've actually even named her. It's Roberta. <laughs> so me and Roberta go everywhere. Yeah. Aw. That's yeah. Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> I named some of my cameras. Um, the ones that, that just kind of come to me, like, every now and then, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're 
You're that. I, I bought a, um, I got an Olympus stylus uh, right. at like a thrift store the other day. Um, so I actually named that one uh, Miley Stylus. <laughs> 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 just, <laughs> just because I was like, yeah, that fits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I made yeah. my like ride or die cameras. So like, yeah, exactly. That I will never get rid of those ones have names like, um, like this guy. This is uh, Woodrow. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and then like a, a few of the other ones have names too. But I, yeah. I need to get rid of some cameras. I have too many of them. <laughs> There's no such thing as too many cameras. <laughs> no, <that's>, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's funny because a lot of people say that. And then I, I just think, like, first of all, I don't want to deal with people. Like, if I'm going to get rid of anything, it's got to go to someone I know. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I've got cameras that, of course, I don't use. Uh, someone gave me a Nikon, I think it's like an F50 or something like that, like a one of, like, one of their later entry model film cameras. Um, and I'm like, I'm the, probably never going to use this, but um, my niece is getting into photography. Perfect. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, so we started her off with an Instax mini camera because uh, she's 10 years old. So we're like, we'll start, we'll start her off slow, except Instax minis are actually kind of difficult to use <laughs> when you're starting out, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of, funny that an instant camera is difficult, but it's actually true. Um, but yeah, so that camera is going to go to her when she's ready for it. And, you know, so I'm kind of earmarking where cameras might go if I get rid of anything. Um, but I'm just so scared to have the regret of giving away a camera or selling it and then wanting to buy it back again. That's a tough one. Cause like, I, Cause I have a Nikon that's who I am. <laughs> I had a Nikon 35 Ti. And it was like a total object of desire. Like I wanted it because it's so beautiful. And I shot some rolls with it. And then I was like, I fucking hate the autofocus on this thing. It's so annoying. <laughs> um, but it was so yeah. beautiful. And I'm just like, they're so fucking expensive now. And like, I know. you know, I took a loss on it because the, the kid gave me a really good story. And I was just like, well, uh. obviously it's going to a good home. And you gave me a really good story. So... I'll sell it to you. But then is like almost like the, like immediately I was just like, Oh my God, I've made a huge mistake. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be able to find that camera again at the price yeah. I paid for it. Yeah. See, that's what I'm scared of. You know, I'm so scared that I'm just going to be like, Oh no, I want that camera back. And now it's a thousand dollars more than it was when I sold it. So right. hey. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Expensive cameras are getting like, um, I know. When I bought my F5, I got it for 250 bucks from like a weird Asian dude at a Tim Hortons. It was very sketchy. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm laughing because that's almost my story with Roberta. Really? We drove up to Laval and yeah. we parked beside a Tim Hortons dumpster. And it was this uh, Quebecois guy who actually like took apart like old studios like when they when they went like closed up or whatever he would take the take them down and then sell everything off in bits and so that's how I got Roberta <laughs> behind that Tim Hortons dumpster like how Canadian can you get <laughs> I, I, I don't even I don't even drink Tim Hortons <laughs> <laughs> 
you shouldn't. It's like toxic. <laughs> like it's <laughs> unless unless you're having digestive issues. <laughs> yeah, but then like, does it help that sometimes? Like, it's really, you're still <laughs> with it. like it's true. It's true. I mean, if if there's ever a day where I'm feeling really bad about myself and I want to feel worse, then I'll go get it to double. The <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, like more more camera deals than I'd like to admit have happened in a Tim Hortons. It is it is very. Oh, uh, Tim Hortons for you Americans would be like Dunkies, like yeah, know, like a Dunkin' Donuts yeah. kind of thing, except Dunkies is better. Um, yes. I guess it'd be, maybe be like um, going to an AM PM and buying coffee that had been out for most of the day, as well as donuts that had been out for most of the day. <laughs> yeah. Although at Tim Hortons, they actually like put the time that they made the coffee. And I'm like, are you people just lying? <laughs> is that number correct? Or is that like 12 hours ago? <laughs> it, I mean, it's an imaginary time. They're just like, this seems right. Let's, yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll just say it was five minutes ago. We're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll just wipe that off and, you know, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty suspect. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. You can oh, continue no, you your story now. No, it's, just, it's just wild how expensive things have gotten. Because, um, like, yeah, know, I bought this F5, like, four years ago now. And now they're going for, like, 600 bucks. And Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I fucking hipsters, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> maybe uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that point, but it's so funny because whenever I'm on Facebook, people always blame hipsters and YouTubers, and I'm like, hey, like yep. I'm kind of I'm kind of both. <laughs> like I don't know if I'm a hipster necessarily, but I do wear plaid. <laughs> um, I do drink beer from a can. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> And I do listen to vinyl, but that's because I grew up with it. Um, and yeah, I grew up with, well, I grew up with vinyl. I grew up with film. Like we didn't know digital. Like I grew up in the eighties. There's my record player there. There you go. There you go. I grew up with stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, and I grew up, I grew up with books, not like uh, an e-reader and you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I consider myself a hipster in that sense, if that's the definition of a hipster. Well, but I mean, you actually <laughs> work on a farm though. And like, you know, you, you, yeah. you, it's not just like, you know, you do graphic design, but you ironically wear like, you know, all these like sort of like farm styles and stuff. Because, <laughs> it's, like, it's funny because Jody and I talk about it and we're like, it's almost cultural appropriation, <laughs> farm culture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but we're like, we wear plaid because it's like what is made for farmers. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that are those like, like jump blue jumpsuits, but I haven't gotten to that point. I don't think they make them my size. They they would, yeah. I think like they're... I'm I'm pretty short. I'm like five feet tall, uh, so I don't know if they make them this small. <laughs> I'd have to get like the child size. <laughs> you just have to get one custom made for you. And then, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I'd probably destroy it in like five minutes because I'm really rough on everything <laughs> on the farm. So, it, yeah. I, I I have some struggles with the YouTube stuff because like some content can be really great. But yeah. most of it just seems um, repetitive. 
Yeah. And then also, uh, like, yeah. The, um, a, a friend he coined it as like dude perfect. Um, like most of these YouTubers are like dude perfect kind of guys, where it's like you know getting that like dude perfect shot kind of thing and getting those likes and stuff. And um, it's it feels like a lot of a bro down for the most part. Like as, as a female YouTuber, like you know what are what are your thoughts and what have uh, your observations been? You know, breaking out on there. Yeah, uh, it's a little tough. So. When I first started my channel, um, I guess it was three years ago now, something, three or four, three. Um, I was actually inspired by Casey Neistat. Uh, I used, yeah, I used to watch his daily vlogs and I love his channel. Mm. Um, and, you know, he had these really inspirational videos of like, do more. And at one point he had one video, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he had like the CEO or CFO or something of YouTube on for an interview on his channel. And that guy was saying, we want more female run content. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So there's like, so there's, there's a space for me then. Like you're basically telling me, Hey, you're a woman, start a channel. And I was like, all right, this could be interesting. There were, I don't know how many female film photographers were on YouTube at the time when I started um, because all my content that I watched was actually like men. You know, I, I watched a lot of Thomas Heaton, uh, Ben Horn, Matt Day, um, and I didn't really branch out at the time. So I just kind of started my channel a little blindly in that aspect. Um, but I knew that I wanted to try to do something different from all the other content. Um, I didn't want to be repetitive. I didn't want to just do gear reviews because uh, as far as gear reviews go, like Matt Day has got that covered. You know, like I, I, no, but it's true. Like I can't do a review like that. Um, mm. and, and I don't want to. Those aren't really the kind of videos I want to do, but I love cameras. Um, and I'm really enthusiastic as soon as I get a new camera and I'm like, I can't wait to, to use it and to show it. And, you know, just be out in the field with it. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to make a channel that like inspires people to get out rather than like, here's how to do this or this camera's great because of this, you know, like I just use the cameras that I use cause I love them. Yeah. That's literally it. There's nothing, you know, I don't go for them. I don't go for this one because it's got special bells and whistles or this one not actually the more mechanical and the less buttons and things I have to push the better. <laughs> Uh, except the RB, it's funny because it's not like nothing's coupled. So I have to like crank the film myself, set the shutter myself, you know, and stuff. But anyways, it's still manual. So I digress, but, um, it's, it, it's been a bit of an interesting journey. Um, my first video took off. I came in at just the right time. I did a video comparing Kodak's P3200 with Ilford's Delta 3200 because P3200 had just come back out. Um, and I was like, this is my chance to do something. And my second video was also a like film comparison kind of thing. Um, and then I quickly kind of realized that I like doing those videos, but they're very intense. So I kind of wanted to branch off. And so then I kept branching off onto other things. And in the meantime, you know, it, my channel has been growing and I have over 5,000 subs. Like that's absolutely incredible for me. But it is a little hard to sometimes watch 
some of the guys go on, start up this new channel, and it just, like, explodes. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying I deserve it more. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, and I know I don't always put in the, the work that they do. Like, I don't do weekly. I don't do vlog style. Um, I don't do reviews. I don't have a Leica M6. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, no, but it's true. I don't, I don't have an X-Pan. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> actually, I had, to, I had to cheap out. And uh, here we go. And I got myself a press pan. So it's a Nikon FE body that has been machined out to shoot panoramic using a Mimia press lens. And yeah, and like it's all like the, to hold the lens in, it's 3D printed, the grip is 3D printed, I can keep a spare roll of film in the grip. Uh, it's really freaking cool, <laughs> such a cool camera. So this is my version, my, my X-Pen alternative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I the closest I've gotten to a Leica so far is uh, I have a Leica Sofort, which is the oh, Mini. I wanted to get one of those actually. <laughs> actually, because they looked really cool. It's actually really dope. Um, I don't think I would pay the like thousand dollars they charge for them brand new. Yeah. But some yeah. dude was selling it for one hundred and fifty bucks on Craigslist, and I'm like, you oh. sir, obviously have no idea what you have on your hands. I will exactly. Them you and um <laughs> it's pretty dope i i gotta say i like it but that's that's as far as the red dot goes for me and then i've got a uh a zorky uh like a three ripoff which is i was actually looking at getting one of those it's great i 100 percent recommend it like here yeah Yeah, it is such a cool camera, um, and it looks like, if someone doesn't know, it looks like you're walking around with a Leica. With a Leica, yeah. Yeah, except it's got the acrylic on on top there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But it's really, like, most of them seem to be built pretty well. It has, like, a Almar 50 ripoff, so it's, yeah, like, that's cool. 3.5 to, uh, was it, 3.5 to 16 but the photos it takes are amazing. Like, I didn't think I would like this camera as much as I ended up liking it. Um, but for like a hundred dollar camera, it's awesome. The only That's thing I cool. don't like, and I wish I could find the next model up that has like the side lugs, is the only oh, way to yeah, okay. get for it. You got to put like a. I have a thing that goes in the tripod socket where I can have like a wrist. Okay. That's the only annoying part. Um, but really great camera. And if you're okay with rangefinders, it works really well. Mm -hmm. Well, Jody actually got himself a Leica 3F. Oh, nice. Uh, not too long ago. So he, <laughs> I steal all his stuff. So <laughs> he's, with his Leica, he's understandably a little bit more um, careful, we'll say. Because um, I can. Um, you have a Leica 3 now. And... No, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, that's absolutely his camera. Um, but I fell in love with that camera so much that um, I was actually talking with John Meadows. Nice. And, uh, oh, and I saw he popped in. So hi, John. Um, <laughs> and he actually has a Leica 3A that he's going to sell me later nice. this summer. So, well, yeah, so that, that will be my Leica. 
you don't need to bother getting a Zorky then. You're, you're set. I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it was almost, it was so close to being a Zorky. It they're, was like this close. They're great cameras. Like, yeah, yeah. I would talk them. Um, yeah, I've been very, very happy with it. Yeah. Um, also, you made it into a book this year. I did. I have it right uh, here. Yay! Yeah. It's such a beautiful book. Oh my god! It is. I, I I'm like so thrilled to be part of this. It's yeah, it was incredible. So for for those of uh, the listeners out there that may not be familiar with this, uh, the book we're referring to is uh, the Northern Film Collective, Volume One. Uh, so a friend of mine, uh, Becca, she started uh, the Northern Film Collective, which is to like uh, promote. Canadian film photographers and Canadian film photography and one of the ideas she had was to do a yearly volume of um, Canadian photographers and uh, Jess happened to be one of the Canadian photographers that submitted some photos and uh, made it into uh, the 2021 uh, volume. Yeah that was really cool. I am so happy to have been a part of this project and I really hope that there will be a volume too. Um, not because I'm not going to, I'm not going to submit. I'm going to let other people submit um, because it was just such an honor. You should, Sorry, what? you should still absolutely submit. Don't, <laughs> don't not submit. Cause um, you know, the, the hope is to do even a, a bigger, better book uh, this That's year around, um, and get more photographers in it. So I think like we had 70 odd photographers in it for mm -hmm. volume one. Um, it'd be cool to get that like over a hundred. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, like if, if we're getting the same people submitting along with new submissions, it would be cool to see how people's work is progressing um, over time. That's too. true. Yeah, that's true. So don't be shy. Definitely. All right. All right. I'll, um, uh, I'll work on, a, on something new. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, for any of you that are interested, you could check out northernfilmcollective.ca um, that has some info about the collective and um, also information on when we'll be doing the next, uh, the next book. And we're running a fundraiser right now for uh, the Kamloops First Nation um, with the, uh, the discovery of the mass grave there uh, recently. Uh, so we've got a print run that we're doing with uh, the a local film photographer, Fear and Loathing 35mm. Uh, Dylan donated a few images um, that we're offering as prints right now, and all proceeds we're going to donate to the Kamloops First Nation. So you can check that out on northernfilmcollective.ca as well, too. That's really cool. Yeah. Sorry for the little advertisement plug in the middle there. <laughs> no, that's really good. That's really good. I don't know. I like it, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's well, it's been a really weird time with all of that because, um, yeah, it, it's sort of Canada's done a very good job of hiding this um, darkness that we have here, yeah. this, the insidious heritage of Canada. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been interesting talking to my friends outside of Canada and, like, you know, explaining to them what's going on. And they're just like, what? That happened in Canada? Like, yeah. You know, you guys are supposed to be the good place. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not yeah. So um, yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's really disheartening. It is. Um, 
And it's really disheartening the amount of people that would continue to throw it under the rug. Um, you know, it kind of scares me a little for <laughs> the future of humanity <laughs> if you can't recognize, like, the atrocity of this and acknowledge that, you know, that you're just like, nope, I didn't see it happen, so, or I didn't do it. Well, and the thing that's sad with it, too, is it's still happening. And yeah. and that, that, I think, is the most tragic part of it is um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people tend to assume if they even know about residential schools is that the whole program ended when they closed the last school in 1996 which wasn't that long ago like I was just going to high school when the last one closed um they they just shifted because they found out that um it was just too expensive to run the residential schools so they shifted to um, use, leveraging more of the foster care program. And like, they're still continuing to take children from reservations okay. and put them into foster care and, you know, continue the genocide against indigenous communities. So it, it's, okay. it's a bit of a misnomer when people are like, oh, Canada's dark past. It's like, no, it's Canada's dark it's present. It's Canada's dark present. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like there were even news reports of, uh, indigenous women that would go to a hospital to give birth and would come back out and found out they had been sterilized. Yeah, and their kids have been given away, basically. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this can actually still happen? But, you know, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm not. You know, yeah. and especially, especially in Quebec, like, we actually, um, well, I, I say we, I shouldn't say we, because I don't believe that. But in Quebec, like, there are a lot of people that, again, just want to, like, even our premier just wants to, like, forget it ever happened. And there was the death of an Indigenous woman, uh, I think it was last summer, in a hospital. And, like, that story was just cruel and horrifying. And no one's owning up to anything. And I'm yeah. like, this, and this keeps happening. It's, she's not the only one, you know, and it's just so sad. That, yeah, that one was super sad because, like, the nurses were throwing racial slurs at the woman and stuff, and, like, yeah. you know, no one helped her, and, like, she passed away oh. in their care, which should never yeah. happen. Like, that's... No. And then there was a, a, a priest in Mississauga that came out that's like, well, everyone should think about the good that the church has done, and, you know... <laughs> <when>? Sorry. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I grew up as a Roman Catholic kid. I, I know all about the... Uh, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and it's like when in history has the Catholic Church <laughs> have they really done good been, been good like you know <laughs> as long as you're not on the side that is being conquered you're okay like you know yeah just yeah that it's kind I mean of they do they do give away free wine at mass <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, okay, I'm sorry. Now I think I might be starting to sound like an alcoholic. I really don't drink that much. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jess goes to church for the free wine. Um, no. <laughs> so I used to be a boy, um, and we used to steal the blood of Christ sometimes. Only because we saw the priest do it. So we're like, if he's stealing the wine, we can steal it too. Like, Why can't we? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know, yeah. there, there's an inequality here, and we're going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah it's um it's an interesting time for canada i i think because um covid has really 
I think, um, fired a lot of people up to, to uh, stand up more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's waking people up at, at the atrocity of things. Like, you know, not even just mm-hmm. like the, the issues with Indigenous, but just the other day, um, the purging of homeless from Trinity Bellwoods in Toronto. Oh, that's, yeah. That's insane. We, 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 had a, we had an encampment in Montreal, too, that just got taken out, like, I guess about a month ago or something, maybe. I, my, my idea of time is a little skewed, so it could have been, like, two or three months ago, even, but it wasn't that long ago. And I can't believe how many cops, like, just line up to take all these homeless people away from what little bit of home they have. You know, it's a, it, they're living in a freaking tent. This isn't luxury. Yeah. And like, what, what you know? you're just clearing it out so people could go get wasted in Trinity Bellwoods. Like, you know, let them, let them have the park, you know, yeah. lots of other parks. There's lots of other places privileged people can go to. Like, exactly. You know, why, why? And it was like, so sad too, like seeing the photos of like the people in hazmat suits throwing away people's belongings and you just see these clear bags with like people's lives in them that are just getting yeah. thrown the dumpsters and it's just like really like you're taking away a place for them to try and survive and then you're throwing out their belongings like literally throwing out the only little bits of anything they own yeah it's you know it, it, yeah um and that's a situation know, that bums me out too <laughs> Yeah, it is. And it's just like, it's insane when you look at how much like a city like Toronto spends on policing. And it's like, why? Like there, there's a figure yeah. floating around that it's like, you know, Toronto spends about $3 million a day on policing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why? Like, do they need that much? And that 3 million every day could go to like bettering the population. And if they were to help more people out, that would probably reduce a lot of the need for, um, you know, the, the policing to begin with. Like, you know, policing doesn't help at all. It just exacerbates the issue. Well, and yeah, so uh, Chris says here, the problem with building homes and shelters is that it doesn't work for all homeless people. There's some homeless mm-hmm. whose issues are simply not. And, and that's fair, but the reason they don't want to yeah. live in shelters because there's a lot of rules that gets imposed on them in shelters and yeah. it's it's almost less human for them to be living in some of those shelters because um yeah. so they uh, there's there's so many restrictions around it of, of things they have to do and it's like what they really should be doing is just like letting them have spaces to live and in, in not restricting them in what they can yeah. do yeah like saying that like okay well you can have this room in this like hotel that we've taken over but you can't do drugs okay well they're gonna do drugs anyways so now you're forcing yeah. them to either do it by themselves and not have other people watching out for them um and they'll potentially like od on their own or you're gonna just mm-hmm. force them out where they're like okay well if you're gonna make me follow these rules fuck it i'll just go back on the street and that's not gonna yeah anything. like it's like uh, even uh, like in montreal i think it's the brewery mission and i mean they've done they do these, these shelters do a lot, and I think they do what they can. Uh, there's always room for improvement, but, like, there's a rule where you can't leave the shelter at any time. As soon as you get your bed, you get in there, that's it, you stay. So if you wanted to smoke a cigarette, tough luck. If you want to keep your bed, you have to stay inside at all times. So, 
you know, like stuff like that can be really difficult. And I think that for a lot of homeless people, that's the thing, you know, like you're talking about uh, doing drugs and stuff. A lot of them are, are addicted to substances and they are addicted to substances for multiple reasons, reasons that a lot of us probably can't understand. And the thing with addiction is that it changes your entire personality. It just turns you into someone else completely. Uh, So you're completely unrecognizable to anyone around you. Um, And if you end up on the streets, like it's, you can't help it. You can't, you know, to say like, oh, just take the drugs away from them or anything. Like you can't do that. You can't no, do that. Their, 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 their system is so hardwired that they need those to survive. So we need systems in place to wean them off and help them get better. And we don't have that. No, we don't have that. And like uh, yeah. Chris also comments here, when he was homeless, he had to listen to sermons before they were given two-day-old donuts. Like, come on, we're starving. Just be charitable. The wow. pipeline, they would just let you have stuff. But then... But, evangelical mission was like an Amway sales pitch. Um, And and yeah, like there's, I can't remember what country it was, but they basically like eliminated homelessness by just giving everyone a place to live. Um, I think that was the state of Utah. No, it wasn't Utah. Um, It was in Europe somewhere. Um, Oh, uh, Norway? Yes, Norway. Yeah. Yeah. They just gave everyone homes and what ended up happening was once people had home bases with no restrictions around it, a lot of them were able to like get their lives back on track and like start paying their own yeah. rent, do all this stuff. Cause they just needed a stable place where they can yeah. like, you know, have a shower and, you know, have their clothes uh, somewhere where it could be clean and like mm-hmm. you know, where they could just be humans, like just be yeah. treated with decency and I think that's the biggest problem that, that we're facing here in Canada right now is um, we're just not showing basic human decency to these other human beings. Like, yeah. you know, the, the way that um, the, the city of Toronto and the police in Toronto have been a- attacking these people is, is, yeah. is fucking disgusting and inhumane. Um, yeah. In, like you, you were absolutely right too. Like, you know, when, when people are deep in an addiction, it does change them. And, um, you know, they, you can't just be like, well, we're going to take the drugs away and it's going to solve everything. It's like, no, you can't just Mm -hmm. take drugs away. Like, you know, they, they are, they're taking those drugs or they're, um, you know, using those substances for a reason. And, you know, they need help working through that reason. And having a stable place is a great first step, but then also giving them tools to support that so that they can, you know, have access to therapy, you know, have access to to the care that they need. That's where you should be spending money instead of, you know, spending millions of dollars on more policing where we're we're giving a badge and a gun to someone that, you know, maybe just barely made it through high school, but now they have like, you know, make the choice of whether or not you get to live. And um, like, it's something that terrifies me because like, you know, I, I deal with a lot of mental, mental health issues. And it's just like, if I ever needed help, I don't know if I'd want anyone to make that call for me because like, I might not survive Mm -hmm. that call, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a scary yeah. thing to think about. Like for sure. 
Anyway, that got heavy. And, yeah, it's okay. Um, just one last thing, too, is, like, I also understand that there's not, like, a one-size-fits-all answer to the to this problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, even, even when it comes to addiction, you can't just put everyone through AA or NA or whatever it is. That's not the solution. That might work for some. It's not going to work for everyone. And so we really need to figure out a way how to kind of like tailor make a system for everyone like that encompasses everyone um like i remember when i used to work in downtown montreal um on my way to work in the morning i'd always leave early uh because there's this one guy he wasn't homeless but he was living in like uh like um subsistence housing or whatever like a subsidized yeah. that's it, so subsidized housing and he said he was begging for money because he wanted to be able to buy a cell phone so that he could actually send out CVs to get a job. But he couldn't do that until he had a phone. And they, didn't, they don't give you a phone. They give you a bed and a kitchen, but you have to supply everything. And so by the end, by the time his check would, you know, everything would clear through the month, all his bills and stuff, he didn't have enough money to get a phone. So he was on the streets asking for money. And he'd clean himself up. He was like, I think he was like maybe mid-50s or something. And he had stopped all his drugs, stopped drinking. And he was really trying to make an effort. And, like, it was nothing for me to just stop and give him, like, whatever I had, you know, a toonie, a loonie or whatever. Sometimes i bring him food. And i just sit and chat with him. And, you know, you can't do that with everyone. No. But I was like, I can do this with one person at least, you know. I can sit and learn his story and maybe try to understand a little more, you know, like I'm, I'm lucky. I was able to have a job and pay for an apartment barely, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I have that privilege. And so it's nothing for me to just stop, take five minutes out of my day and talk to this guy and maybe put it. And he, you know, he, he always had a big smile on his face. And I was like, if you can have a smile on your face, like I can get through my crap in my life, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's also not always true. Sometimes what's going on personally can, you know, what, whatever emotions you're living, that's totally valid as well. But I was like, yeah, I think I can suck it up a little bit. And, <laughs> you know, there are people like this who are actually trying to get help and can't. Yeah. And like, you know, Chris, Chris says here, phones are critical to vulnerable people. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. Like, you know, having a stable yeah. place, where they can like, you know, sleep well, um, you know, stay, like keep up their hygiene, don't have to worry about being robbed or like uh, anything like that or mm -hmm. harmed, but having- Or beaten up. Yeah. You know, having access to communication as well is a huge thing. Um, yeah. But then also just like treating people like people, like, you know, that's, yeah. that's great that you- What, <laughs> what did that stop being a thing? <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> when, <laughs> no, but it's true, you know, like, it's really silly, but the, um, the hashtag shoot film be nice, like, that's my favorite hashtag of all time. Um, it was Rachel from the Sunny 16 podcast who started that. Yeah. And like, I swear I live my life by it. Like, it's so easy to shoot film and be nice. <laughs> and so it's like, why can't we treat humans like humans? Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, um, 
one of my favorite things to do when I'm wandering around is I like to give random people Instax portraits. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And it's just if like, it's a couple and they seem to be like having an interesting moment. I'll be like, Hey, do you guys want like a portrait of this moment? Or, um, you know, if it's a dude that um, looks interesting or something, or just like anyone that looks interesting, like, you know, I'll, I'll offer them one and chat with them a bit. But um, yeah, I, I think the 1980s is when people stop kind of like being <laughs> to each other. And um, when things just became really focused on just like getting more possessions and, and getting more stuff and all of that instead of having community. Um, okay. So I think that was something that started like waning a bit like through the 80s and 90s. Um, and maybe the digital revolution had something to do about that because like you can now stay connected to people without actually seeing them versus like before, like mm-hmm. you pick up the phone, but no one really liked picking up the phone. So you like walk over to your neighbor's house and knock on the door and be like, Hey, what's up? You want to do a coffee or something? Or, you know, you, when you're a kid, you like run over to your friend's house and you like yeah. you know, knock on the door or like, you just know, like, on Saturdays at this time, you can usually catch all of your homies at the convenience store or something. Like we were just more connected as people before, like at a physical level, not just at like a sending a text being like, Hey, you good? Like, yeah. um, And it's interesting. Like I, I, I kind of feel like as technology has connected us more and I'm very grateful for technology that has allowed me to do things like this, like to have the photography chat and talk to different people every week and it's it's like given me lots of great friendships as well um it's also I think a double-edged sword because like you know like you'd mentioned uh from a creator perspective where it's just like you have 5,000 uh subs on on your YouTube um but then you know some uh, dude perfect bro gets on there and he fires up like a youtube channel and has like a hundred thousand people in like you know three months and you're just like the hell like what's that yeah, exactly exactly yeah. and so it's like sometimes <laughs> social media can also make you feel kind of bad and then you do the whole comparison thing so it's just yeah um yeah. i don't know we we need to find find balance again and yeah. build communities and yeah. uh, in in all senses of it like you know, if building communities will help with like homeless issues and will help with addiction issues and um, okay. like, you know, it, all the things that are plaguing us right now, like having, having a um, community will, will help with that. And that's one of the things that I've really liked about the photography world so far is I've, I've managed to tap into some really, um, really great communities through photography and through film. Okay. Um, we just need more of that in, in our like neighborhoods and our cities and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, for sure, without the digital revolution or whatever, um, you know, I wouldn't be talking with you right now, let's say, or, you know, I wouldn't have met all like the really cool people that I've been meeting along the way. And so, you know, while I really enjoy that online community and that online presence and stuff, um, I do miss just like taking a walk with someone who isn't my fiance, (laughs) you know, or my in-laws, like, it'd be nice to see people again, see my friends and, but also like meet up 
in real life. Like um, the, the classic camera revival guys, you know, I've, I've been chatting with Bill and John and Alex for, you know, over a year now and stuff. And it would just be so cool. It's, it's a seven hour drive to get to Toronto and it would be so cool to just like meet up, but you know, for sure the pandemic kind of took that away uh, a little bit, but I'm hoping that we can all kind of, you know, bring that back together, make it more local or yeah. meet up more in person, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it'd be nice. Like, you know, the classic camera guys are, are awesome in gals. Yeah. I had a really great chat yeah. with them, um, a few weeks back. Um, yeah. Yeah. James definitely does his homework on yeah. things. Like he really, he blindsided me a bit on that chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they all do their homework. Um, I, I'll admit, because I was on it last summer, and they had me on for uh, a Mamiya episode and then a film episode. And I didn't know I was going to be on for the second episode at the same time. And so they kind of, like, blindsided me with that. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I could do this because these guys are just, like, so pro and so technical and know their stuff so well that I was like, I just got nervous, even though I know what I'm talking about. I was still like, oh, no, what'd you guys do to me? <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, they're always able to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're good guys. They're good guys. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, it, was, it was a great chat. Um, James yeah. read through my blog, which surprised me a bit, because um, there's, like, there's some pretty heavy stuff on there that I had totally forgotten about that, that James was asking questions about. And then... Uh, we had an interesting conversation about Canadian film photographers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, we know that story. <laughs> that, that is a great example of what not to do with a community right there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whether yeah. online or in person, just, yeah. Just yeah, not. yeah, like, yeah, because his, his online persona is, is problematic and i've also heard his like in-person persona is like more problematic than his online one so oh that's that's yeah that's yeah. fun <laughs> um yeah so just don't don't be that guy um no no, no. So <laughs> no. you talked about the uh the mumia and stuff like that but what yeah. got you the instant film uh, so I was gifted, um, like, I think it was like a model one SX 70, like okay. 1972 original, um, from a family friend still in the original leatherette and everything. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. And I just fell in love with it. Like some of my baby pictures are even on Polaroids. So I think that it was just kind of like always there for me. Um, like the love of like holding this little picture that comes to life in front of you. Uh, although now you have to keep them in the dark, <laughs> but back then you didn't have to. Um, so I think that it was just kind of something that was always there. And then my real passion for it came when I got the SX-70. Um, and then I collected a few more throughout the years from like thrift stores and stuff. Um, I have the one like the white with the rainbow on it. Nice. Up the middle. Yeah, yeah, that one's pretty cute. I like that. And um, and then when I started realizing that I could get uh, conversion backs to take, to, to put onto my RB67 so I can actually shoot 
integral Polaroid film on my RB67, that just blew my mind. That's when I was like, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. Like, as much as I love my SX70, um, my results aren't consistent. Um, I find it's almost like luck when I get a really good shot. Whereas now I'm using the Mamiya and I have the dreamy quality of Polaroid film that I love, but right. the sharpness with the lenses and it just combines and makes like these really like I I'm in, I'm just in love with it. As long as I remember to take that stupid dark slide out, <laughs> I always forget. I, I ruined half a pack of film because I forgot to take the dark slide out and I thought there was something wrong with my shutter or like, I didn't know what, and I was freaking out. And then I was like, Oh man, the dark slide. So yeah. So as long as I remember to do that, we're, we're good to go. <laughs> I used to do that with my goose all the time. I would forget. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Because shooting with the RB, you can't actually take a shot on their regular backs without taking the dark slide out. It Uh, just, it it blocks. It won't let you. Uh, So I'm used to that. And because the dark slide comes out the side as well, but on the Polaroid backs, it's on the bottom that you have to think to take it out. So um, I actually have two backs now. I have one that I got from a company called Resovat that they don't make them anymore. Um, But then there's another guy in the States, uh, in Washington. Um, He runs a place called Analog Studio, and he still makes them. Um, And he actually 3D prints a little, like, like, check dark slide <laughs> reminder. So I have this like bright red strip on my back saying like, don't forget your dark slide. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, thank you. <laughs> like that is genius, man. <laughs> That's quite brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't messed around with that yet. Um, but I, I do sometimes when I'm shooting pack film on the four by five, I'll forget to pull the dark slide out of the film holder. And it's just like, yeah, exactly. Like at least the Polaroid, I mean, yeah. Okay. It's $4 a shot. So, you know, it hurts a little bit, but it's not pack film. If I was doing that with pack film, I think I would just like, stop shooting i'd be like no okay jess you obviously don't deserve this (laughs) put this away (laughs) but that is something that i do wish i had gotten into um i wish i had learned about that all a little bit earlier because i could have bought a polaroid back for my rb that takes the pack film or i could have bought a goose or some you know something to be able to shoot it on uh which would would have been really really cool uh but it doesn't exist now so I'll, I'll, I, I just haven't shot it and I'll probably go to my grave, not shooting it. And I'm okay with that, but yeah, but if someone could bring it back. There's there's (laughs) a magic to it that like, yeah, if you ever visit Vancouver, we'll set you up with a camera so you could, you could give it a shot. Yeah. Excellent. That'd be cool. Cause it's it's something you've got to experience once. Yeah. It just looks so cool. Like you actually like peel it apart and you have a photo and a negative. Like yeah. how, fr- how freaking genius is that? You know? Well, it was genius, but people hated it back in the day because yeah. um, for the most, like most, most of its use was for light testing. So mm-hmm. 
Um, that's why they had the backs for like the Mimias and the Bronicas and the Hasselblads and stuff is like before they shot the Precious Portra or you know, the Fuji yeah. or whatever, they would test the lighting with, with the pack film. Uh, but then consumers that used the pack film didn't like that there was all that extra garbage. So when um, Polaroid invented the integral film, the positive and negative are all built into this guy. Mm-hmm. Which is, is super ingenious because it's just like, you know, um, the amount of layer, like the, the layer cake of like chemical process and everything that goes on yeah. in a tiny frame is just amazing. Like, yeah. You know, who would have thought? Yeah. No, it, it's like for me, instant film is just so absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, it's just, it's so tangible. It's, it's, you know, I know it's called instant film for a reason, but it's, it's instantly in your hands. Yeah. You can look at it, well, you know, five to 10 <laughs> minutes of <laughs> being in the dark and then you can hold it and look at it uh, you can give it to people. You know, you can, you can keep it for yourself. You can do emotion lifts. You can, you know, like there's all kinds of cool things that you can do with instant film. That's just so fun and so creative that makes it a little bit, it gives it that something special from yeah. you know regular like negative or slide film but yeah that's what i i think that's what i really like about it is just that it's got that i don't know that je ne sais quoi you know <laughs> the sensibility of it is what's special like you know yeah being able to hand something like an image to someone right away is um it's really magical um chris yeah. asked about the super sense one instant is isn't that legit pack film and um it's not pack film because um, pack film kind of like it's in the name and you have film packed into it. Um, so the one instant is just literally just one instant photo. So yeah. it's in a holder yeah. that fits into the pack film slot, but you only have one shot with it. And a lot of people are kind of salty about it because they're like, well, it's expired um, color positive. Um, so it's like you're paying a lot of money for an expired film, basically, but that's only partially true. Like it is a, an expired color positive because it's um, hand cut color um, negative paper for Polaroid 20 by 24, um, but it's a brand new negative and it's a brand new um, developer and stuff like that, that um, SuperSense has been working with the 20 by 24 guys in Boston uh, with. So it's kind of cool. Like I've supported it. I've spent the crazy money to get the one instant shots and I've liked the results from it. Like it is weird and the colors are kind of janky because it's old, but I mean, I can still use these old cameras that are supposed to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice privilege. Yeah. And I think, I think just the fact that someone's working really hard to try to bring us something yeah. Even if it's not exactly what we used to have, um, you know, at least there, there's someone out there that is trying to bring something back for us. And that's yeah. what I think is just so cool. And that's why it's, even if it's expensive, that's why it's worth backing it. Like, unfortunately, I never have because I just don't have a camera that takes it. Um, but, you know, I have thought about it in the past. And I've also thought, like, um, I think I, I, I might get this a little confused. Uh, Jody always has to correct me on this. I can't remember if SuperSense are also the people, 
I think one instant is different from the new 55. Yeah, so one super sense and one instant were our, our Dr. Uh, Caps who started it's Impossible Caps. Pro. Yeah. Um, new 55 is some dudes out in um oh fuck. It's out it's outside of Boston. Um, yeah. I can't remember specifically, but yeah. they're in like Massachusetts. And yeah. that's a cool project too. Like the new 55 mm -hmm. stuff is really neat because like they're working on the four by five sheet film instant. Yeah. And um, they're also doing um, ready load stuff as well too, which is really yeah. cool because like uh, if you shoot four by five um, and you're like me, you hate loading the film holders. <laughs> um so like the fact that they have kind of brought back um the um the ready load for like portra and ilford and triax and stuff like that is really cool so the okay. new 55 project is a really cool one to check out and like that's the thing that's really neat with film right now is that there's so many like small companies that are like bringing um some things back and working on new things and it's a very interesting uh, community from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, I get, I, I do get comments every now and then, like not necessarily about Polaroid specifically, but uh, film in general. So like uh, I did a video at one point where I shot Cosmo Photo Mono and someone actually commented like, well, that's just for gullible people. And because uh, it's just FOMA, rebranded FOMA. And I'm like, yeah, but, I can't get, I, at the time I couldn't get FOMA easily in, in Montreal, but I could get Cosmo at any shop. And this is a guy who, you know, Steven has been working really hard to like build a community around it and who's trying to keep film alive. And he's just trying to keep his dream going. And I'm like that for me, that alone is worth supporting. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like all, all the people who like, hate on all these companies who are either rebranding stuff or trying something new and it's not perfect like just stop hating and just start shooting <laughs> you know just pick up a camera it'll make you much happier <laughs> instead of sitting behind your keyboard <laughs> and crapping on these companies you know like I think that's what I hate the most that that's like one of my biggest pet peeves because it's just like at least people are trying I can't try I don't know how to make a film emulsion I don't know how to build a camera from scratch or machine out uh, an FE body and turn it into something else, but someone else does. And it's so cool that people try. Yeah, it's very cool that people try. Like, um, and, and exactly, like if you, like that, what, when people complain about like, um, oh, Polaroid is shit and it's so expensive. Okay, then don't buy it, don't shoot it. Yeah. Or like Super Sense is expensive and it's it's weird. Okay, don't buy it then. Uh, yeah. still is just like you know they they're just buying Kodak and pulling the back off of it and charging a bunch of extra money. It's like, okay, then don't buy it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like more for me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if that's if that's where you're gonna go with this, like you know, fine. Don't, just don't shoot it. You yeah. know, but just just uh, on that point too, like just shoot whatever makes you happy. I don't care if you want to use your phone. I don't care if you want to use instant film, a digital camera, a film camera, only mechanical or only point and shoots, whatever it is. 
that makes you happy and gets you out of the house or even around the house if you can't get out. Uh, whatever gets you to pick up that camera and just take photos. Just do it. Yeah. You know, and I bet you all your complaining will just go away. <laughs> well, I mean, some maybe people, not all. Maybe not all. I know. Yeah. But there's some people who thrive on it, you know. Yeah, I know. I see a lot of those in Facebook groups. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of that on Canadian film photographers. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't get the digital hate. Because, um, like to your point, use whatever allows you to be creative and express yourself like who cares what it is like you know if you're creating something good you know that's um yeah i'm not going to be like oh my god this is so much better because you shot it on film like a good photo is going to be a good photo exactly Uh, and just because you own like m6 doesn't mean you're going to take bangers all the time like you know you could exactly photos yeah. And just because, you know, like you shoot with an Olympus uh, RC instead of a Leica, you know, it doesn't mean you'll get worse photos because you're using the lesser camera or, you know, like it just, it doesn't matter what you use. Just take your vision and put it out there. Yeah. And I bet you, I bet you people would be a lot happier. Some, not all, some, <laughs> at least me. <laughs> I know I know it helps me so <laughs> I had an old boss who used to always say um opinions are like assholes everyone has everyone's one. got one <laughs> yeah and everyone thinks theirs that doesn't stink yeah and yeah. it's like yeah like I, I kind of hate on um like on chats and stuff like that where people are like oh like I'm getting into film like what's what's the best camera I should get? And you just have like all of these, like, you know, the fucking shit from the um, coming out of the woodwork. And it's just like, how much money do you have? Spend that on a camera. That's the best camera. to Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I forget who said it. Uh, but the quote is like the best camera you have is the one you have on you. Yeah. So just Brandy just wrote that in, in the yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I think my chat doesn't work. I haven't seen anything come in for a while. Oh, you might have to scroll, scroll. Uh, yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, man. I missed all this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so sorry. Ah, oh, no. I was about to comment. <laughs> Me and technology are like, <laughs> that's why I shoot manual cameras. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep scrolling. Wow, I missed a lot. I'm so sorry, people. Uh, Chris, uh, camera did you use is today's how high can you ollie question to try and dismiss people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ollie wear shit, so um, I'll just you know, admit that. I'm lucky if I can roll my fat ass around on the skateboard without killing myself. I've actually never used a skateboard. You have No. Um, they're pretty fun. I've been afraid to try and use mine again since the car accident because, like, my meats have been very delicate and my doctors advised that I don't get another concussion because that would probably be a bad idea. So it's just like, this is what getting old is like. It's like, you have to think about what are the things I could do where I'm not going to like hurt myself much more than I'm already damaged. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. No, (laughs) it's better to not push it (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
do you have any projects that you've been working on, like film projects or like book ideas that you've been sort of mulling about or have in progress? So I do have a book that I want to put out. Uh, I was supposed to work on it all winter and I did not. Um, <laughs> because this was, this was supposed to be my winter off. Jody, just, Jody was working uh, from home. And it was going to be my time to finally, like, organize everything and get myself together and actually put this book together. Um, and then I ended up getting hired by Dora Goodman Cameras to do copywriting. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so that, that was really cool. But I, you know, I totally pushed my book thing aside. And then the farm picked up. And now it's the end of June. And I haven't started anything. <laughs> They're scanned. But I have to rescan everything because it's not like super, like I, th this, this project I shot five years ago. So when I was scanning, like me scanning five years ago is not me scanning today. Um, I'm, I've gotten better and also like with Lightrooming and stuff. Uh, so I want to revisit everything and redo all the images that I want. Um, but it's a project where I went out and photographed at as many festivals as I could find on the, in the city of Montreal in one year. And I managed to get to 225 different festivals. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. So I had, and I shot over a hundred rolls of film. So I've got like well over 3,600 <laughs> negatives sitting there waiting to be something. And this year would have been perfect to put out a book like that because everyone wants to go back to festivals. Everyone wants to see that. And that would have been really cool. Like, I just feel like the timing would have been perfect, but I hope, I, I still hope that I can get it out by the end of the year. Um, that would be a major, like a lot of work at this point to get it done. But I, you know, it'd be like a major win for me if I could get that done. Um, that would be really cool. You, you might be lucky because the Delta variant may also create a new lull for people wanting uh, things. Because as we rush to open, well, the Delta yeah. rampaging thing things are probably... getting back in. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. it may all work out in the end anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and then I do have a project that I want to start shooting. Um, and it's actually kind of inspired by Chris Visser. Uh, he, before Christmas, was giving away um, five rolls of original Fujifilm Acros. And he was like, this is a contest. Just tell me, like, the worst thing you could possibly do with this film. And because uh, there was, like, a running joke between him and a friend that uh, the worst thing you could do is put it through a Holga. <laughs> and so I, I just commented and I said, I would shoot all five rolls just making like duck faces and like all those like silly selfie poses, like all the classic ones. And it would just be, I would turn it into a book and it would just be a book of me like making duck face and like kissing the camera and you know, stuff like that. Um, of course I wouldn't do that, but <laughs> not with that film. Um, so I actually won the five rolls from him and I really want to take that and use it to shoot the rural landscapes around here. Um, it's something that I do usually every summer. Um, I love photographing on the dirt roads around here and stuff. And so I want to take it and like do it like 100% throw myself into it, do it on like good film. Not that fil other films aren't good, but Acros is just so special. 
um, and turn that into a zine or a book or something. I still think you should do your original idea, but as Halation Station says here, with a Holga. So all the documents, yeah. all that stuff, but with a Holga. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> That's actually pretty tricky too. <laughs> like Holgas are, Holgas are something. It's I love shooting a Holga, um, but it's pretty hit or miss sometimes. They're not forgiving. They're not. No, they no, <laughs> no. So. It sounds like you have more of appreciation for the black and white. Um, what are your thoughts and feelings of um, the uh, Cinestill double X in 120 now? I cannot wait to get that film. Um, I really wish that I wasn't super broke right now um, because I just really want to buy that film. Um, I can't wait to use it. Uh, I'm actually, I'm really excited that they're putting this out. Uh, and I mean, a new film, whether it's a new film emulsion or just a new format, uh, I always get excited about that. Um, so for sure, I can't wait to be able to try this film. Uh, it just, it looks so great. Uh, I've actually been buying it from John Meadows. He buys bulk rolls and then reloads them into uh, 35 millimeter canisters. Um, so I can't like, and I haven't, I bought some and I haven't shot it yet and it's driving me nuts. I have to get out there with it. I can't wait to use this film. Um, and then, yeah, I have to buy some in 120. <laughs> Trade some tea for film. Oh, I wish. <laughs> that would be, that would be cool. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> That's it's, cool. I know, like, I know I'm going to get it. I just don't know when. Like Halation Station says, though, it, it does cost a king's ransom. Like, this this is $20 Canadian a roll. Yeah, well, that's what the um, uh, 800T is. Yeah, so it's not yeah. terrible. But, um, and, you know, you can save money getting the, like, through John, like what John does there, doing the, uh, yeah. the bulk roll 35 mil. But that won't happen with 120, sadly. Um, because the only reason um, this happened is because uh, Sinistil buys master rolls of the yeah. from Kodak, and so they can yeah. cut it down to whatever uh, whatever size they want. Um, yeah. So what, what I'm really wanting is um, this in four by five. <gasps> That'd be freaking amazing. Okay, right? so I haven't I haven't shot four by five yet. I don't have a camera yet. Uh, I know I'm getting into large format. Um, it's it's there. I, I know it. I, I just feel that the kind of photography I do, like the rural landscapes, the woods, like that will lend really, really well to 4x5. Um, yeah. And actually my secret dream is to get into 8x10 because I want to do contact prints. <laughs> but it's so expensive. So expensive. Like everything is so much more expensive than 4x5. So I know yeah. I'll be getting into 4x5. Well, and you should start with a four by five first to see if you even like large format. Because if yeah, you I've heard that four by five, then you can just sell all the four by five gear because it's easy to sell that stuff. Um, but like eight by ten is a fucking insane, insane investment. Like it's wild. Um, yeah, more expensive. Um, like I'm trying to make that break right now into eight by ten, and uh, yeah, 
It just makes me sad. Like Halation Station says, because I hate having extra money. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, yeah, but large format, you should definitely try it. Um, you'll hate yeah. everyone that told you to try it because you'll end up falling in love with it and being even more broke. And uh, yeah. <laughs> say hi to the kids for me. Um, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Four by five is a lot. Yeah. I think it was uh, Jason Grainy Days who did one of the best videos I've ever seen about learning how to shoot four by five. <laughs> I the eight by 10 video where he's just like, and then it happened. I shit my pants. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, like I'm a big fan of Matt Marash's channel too, because he does like the large format Fridays and stuff. And I love that. Um, and he's definitely like, a big like inspiration for me in all of that um but when i saw those videos from jason i was just like yeah okay i have to do it (laughs) i know i will never do a video as good as those but i'm gonna have to get into four by five at least yeah Yeah, he's um he's one of the only youtubers like good night chris bye chris sorry um yeah he's really one of the only youtubers i can kind of get behind (laughs) because his brand of humor is really sort of like on point with mine. Like it was yeah. fun having the chat with him because, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Like, you know, talking yeah. with that kind of humor and he's also just like great, wicked talented. So, um, yeah, you know, he's an interesting cat. Um, but like the film photography project guys are great too. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just can't handle the what's up guys. <laughs> Those who know, uh, know. I will just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, big plans for, for the YouTube channel at all or big plans, yes. Um yes. Some stuff. I'm going to keep under wraps for now. Uh, not because it's like big secret, but it's just, it, it's some stuff that I've been kind of like working on in my head for a long time. So I, I wanted to like make a, I guess a, a little splash. I don't know if it'll be a big splash, but, um, but yeah, I definitely have big plans. Um, I'm hoping to take a trip this fall up the like Quebec shoreline. Um, like, do there, we have a couple national parks along the way, and then there's like the whole Gas Bay Coast that I've never done. Uh, so I'm hoping to get out there because fall will be like all the migrating birds and the volatile skies and choppy waters. So that's what I'm really looking for for that area. Um, and other than that, like I'm just kind of hoping to find the time to like I have so many ideas. People have given me so much film, free cameras, free lenses, and I'm like, I have to thank them and do a video. So I at least have, like, ideas probably for, like, half a year or something of worth of videos. I just need to do them. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I have lots of ideas, and I, I want to do some of, like, my more, I guess, generic, you could say, like, 
you know, going out with a roll of film and like emphasizing that roll of film or that camera or whatever. Um, but I also want to start to do more conceptual stuff. Um, maybe kind of bring a little bit of like my, my personal, not personal thoughts into things, but just like, I guess me, like who I am, but more conceptual. Um, yeah, I've got lots of, lots of ideas for that. That's very cool. Um, for those people that may not be familiar with your YouTube channel out there, do you want to give it a quick plug? Sure. Um, so you can find me at Jess Hobbs. Uh, pretty simple. Um, and I don't really know what to say about my channel specifically. Uh, like I said earlier, I just try to inspire people to get out and shoot. Uh, so most of my or all my videos are me out in the field using my cameras, whatever camera it is, whatever film it is. Sometimes I'm comparing films. Uh, my second video I put out had me wearing three Pentax K1000s around my neck. <laughs> so I looked like ultimate tourist in Montreal. Um, and I had like my videographer following me with, <laughs> with the camera. So people were probably like, oh my God, is she famous? <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like, no, I know. I just have a YouTube channel. That's all. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And uh, sorry, what? Just a little bit of a big deal. Yeah, no, not in. No. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I, I, I don't want like one of those inflated heads, you know, uh, I want to stay. Yeah. I want to stay true to, to who I am. Cause I think that, I don't know, somehow along the way people seem to resonate with my enthusiasm and I guess passion for, for all things film photography, the way I talk about cameras, the way I take people through things. I'll teach people about like the history of the places that I'm in. Uh, you know, I, I did a fall series where I, I showed people what used to be the old town that was part of the farm at what, like uh, over a hundred years ago. And there's still like old foundations buried in the woods that you can still find every now and then and stuff. So, you know, like I like to show stuff like that as well. So that it's kind of like not informative, like, yeah, like I'm not educational, but I'm kind of informative. Um, and I just really want to inspire people to get out there and just shoot. That's what I want. So that's my channel. Yeah. I like it. Well, yeah. I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with me on the chat here. Um, we yeah, it was a lot of fun. A bunch of people dropping out here for, for nighttime. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I got to find some dinner myself. <laughs> so, All right. Um, but thank you for hanging out with me. And I'm really excited. Thank you for... Oh, sorry. Go sorry. <laughs> we're both just jumping in on each other I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on this was a lot of fun um, I'll admit that I was a little bit nervous at first being like live like I'm used to being in front of the camera but I'm not used to like people just watching me right there <laughs> so I was like oh I'm a little nervous how am I going to look am I you know how am I going to come across but this was a lot of fun uh, I really enjoyed it, and I love this. Uh, I love this show, like the the format that you have with it, the Instagram live, and then later on through like the podcast, like as a podcast, and yeah. it's really really cool. Yeah. Thank so you. thanks for having me. No, of course. Like you know, thanks for wanting to be on, and like you know, it's, it's people like you, and all of the people that tune in and then listen to the podcast later that continue this, uh, you know, whatever project this is to go um yeah 
you know, I, I never really anticipated that this would grow to what it has and I'd be doing it for, for this long, but it's been really cool and humbling to, um, you know, talk to all the different people I have talked to so far and just hear yeah. the different stories and, and share thoughts and, and learn new things. Um, so thank you for, for being on, on here. And uh, also to everyone for tuning in and, and spending this time with us. Uh, you know, time is the most valuable thing we have. So, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative of uh, all your guys' time. Um, and then next week, we're going to have um, Chris Bartolucci joining us. Um, yeah. I love <laughs> so, Chris. Chris is fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, I had uh, the chance to meet her at the Film Padea in 2019 down in San Clemente. That's and, cool. Um, you know, also like you had a chance to meet like Chris Visser and um, you know all, all of uh, I love all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, when when the world opens up again, you'll have to uh, make it out to one of the film padeas if the darkroom lab does it again. One hundred percent. As soon as I know I can get anywhere safely, uh, I've got like a good list of things to go to. As long as they happen, I'm gonna find a way to be there. Yeah. You're going to have to come to Policon, too, because, like, I'll... I know. Oh, I know. I know. I'm super excited about that one, too. <laughs> and that might be a this-year thing, because, like, you know, if the border opens up, um, Policon is happening at the end of September, and they're talking about opening up the border at, at the end of July, so... Interesting. Um, yeah. I'm getting my vax in, just in, in prep for it, so that, you know, if the border yeah. up, I, I might make my way down there. That's cool. I actually got to push up my second dose. So instead of September 15th, it's going to be August 2nd. And I'm like, yay, just get me on a plane. <laughs> get me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Next Tuesday. So um, that Excellent. double dosed and yeah, ready to mingle. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, thanks again for being on here and, um, you know, looking forward to next week and till then everyone stay safe and, you know, stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a good night. Bye, everyone. Have a good night. Cheers.